Uh, we are starting a new series today focusing on discerning God's will, discernment, learning how to discover God's will. And I'm going to lay out a foundation for our series. It's going to be six weeks long. And we need this message, especially as we begin the year, because in a given year, we have some significant decisions that we have to make. And the heart of a follower of Jesus is one that should want to do God's will. Uh, today, I'm going to lay down a foundation, really, focusing on one core idea through the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 40, uh, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to talk a bit about discernment, what it is, and, and how we typically make decisions. And then I'm going to land on one of these verses here and talk about really one core idea about desiring to do God's will. That unless we have that as the foundation, we're going to have a hard time actually truly discerning God's will. And so Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, you can follow on the screen, you can follow on your phone in your Bible, hear the word of the Lord. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Verse 5, many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. And verse 8 is really what I want to focus on. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written, was within my heart. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I want to talk about delighting in God's will. Or desiring God's will. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence in this place. Uh, thank you for singing and prayers and the community of God. And now, Lord, I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts, that we would receive every gift you have for us this day. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. One of the most important things or aspects of our lives is the decisions that we make. And as followers of Jesus, God desires that we would make decisions that would be in alignment with the will of God, that we would do hard work to discern what the will of God is for our lives. And so this message and this series is for all of us. It spans generations. Whether you are a teenager, whether you are retired, whether you are anything in between, this is an important issue, how we make our decisions. And when I think about the decisions that people within our congregation and outside of our congregation make, I think about the questions that we tend to hold. Questions like, which college should I attend? Questions like, should I work full-time or should I continue further studies? 
questions like, should I move into this neighborhood or should I stay where I am? Questions like, should I be involved in this ministry or should I be involved in that ministry? Questions like, should I get married or should I remain single? Questions like, how many children should I have? Questions like, should I find a good nursing home for my aging parents? Or should I have them live in our home? Questions like, should I retire or should I keep on going? There are lots of questions in a given year that we have to wrestle with. Questions that cause anxiety. Questions that cause distress and confusion. And I want to ask you today, as we think about 2023 and the years already uh, a few days in, what decision do you need to make? What is something within your own heart and mind that you want God's guidance? You need God's wisdom. You need to discern God's will. And as you have that particular issue in your mind, I want you to hold that as we look at our passage of Scripture today. Because how we make decisions is critical to our life with God and our lives with others. Now, when we think about decision-making, there are three typical ways that we can go. For some of us, we fall into the category where we are always discerning, but we are never deciding. Always discerning, but never deciding. And a clearer way to say that is we know how to delay a decision. We think about all the aspects and all of this and all of that, and we never come to a place where we actually make a decision. We're kind of discerning which always makes me laugh because sometimes I ask people in our congregation, hey, can you be involved in this or what do you think about this invitation? And often I get uh, a very uh, uh, cliche Christian response that I've used from time to time. I say, hey, could you go uh, do this thing here? And the person says, "Uh, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. And whenever someone says, let me pray about it, it's often really the polite way of saying no but you just don't want to say no right there. And so you say, "Uh, let me pray about it. And I've I've gotten sometimes to ask, what do you mean, let me pray about it? What's that look like, let me pray about it? And at that point, that's when people run out of the church and say, I don't want to continue this conversation. But for some of us, we're always discerning, but we're never deciding. For some of us, we're on the other end of the spectrum where we're always deciding, but we're never discerning. That we're so impulsive, that we're so reactionary to things, that, that we don't think things through that we are we tend to get caught up in the moment we tend to be anxious and make decisions just like that we shoot from the hip we don't measure twice and cut once we cut and don't measure at all we just keep on going and so for some of us we're deciding but we're never discerning but what we want to get to is a place where we are deciding from a place of discernment Deciding, making decisions about our lives out of a place of prayerful discernment. And the reason this is important is because when we are doing God's will, we are in the best place we can be. The church father, Gregory of Nazianza, said it this way. He says that in God's will is our peace. In God's will is your peace. You want peace in your life? As followers of Jesus, we are invited to discern and to do God's will. In God's will is our peace. 
Now, what is discernment? And I want to offer a very simple definition and then tease it out for us before we look at this passage in Psalm 40. Discernment basically means to distinguish between things, to separate things according to their various natures. And at the core of discernment is this. I'm faced with the choice. Am I going to do my will or am I going to do God's will? And the hope is that there is an alignment with my will and God's will. Now, just so I'm clear, when we talk about discernment throughout this series, we're not talking about trying to discern between good and evil. There's nothing, there's nothing to discern. We're not trying to discern. I'm trying to discern whether I should steal this thing. We're not trying to discern good and evil. I remember getting a, a, an email from uh, someone a few years ago uh, asking, I'm wondering if I should pursue a romantic relationship with this woman. And the problem was the guy was already married. And I'm just like, brother, there's nothing to discern here, brother. What are we praying about? No, I'm not going to close my eyes and pray. We're not going to do this. We're not talking about discerning good and discerning evil. When I talk about discernment, there are three uh, qualities that I want you to keep in mind. Number one, when we're discerning, all options before us seem to be good. That's the first quality. All options before us are good. Secondly, it is a choice of some significance. Meaning, I'm not talking about coffee or tea. I'm talking about something of significance. And thirdly, that you are free to choose either option. And so all options before us are good, number one. Number two, the choice is of some significance. And number three, you are free to choose either of the options. And so, like, if my children came up to me in the morning and said, hey, Dad, I am discerning whether I should go to school today, uh, that's not, they're not free. Amen. No, you're going to school. There's no freedom here to make that decision. Now, if they said that to me in the morning, I'd be really impressed. If they said, I'm discerning, I said they're paying attention. Very nice. But you're not free to do that. We must be free to actually choose the specific uh, decision that we want to make. Now, typically when we make decisions, uh, there are a few ways that we go about discernment. And these aspects that I'm going to give you are actually helpful in the discernment process, but taken alone, we're missing some significant things. For some of us, when we make decisions, we think about pros and cons. We put a list together and we go, if we go in this direction, these are all the benefits of going in this direction. These are all of the limitations or the gaps or the problems of going in that direction. We have pros and we have cons. For some of us, we make decisions basically on how we feel. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. If it doesn't feel good, why should I do it? Some of us, we just pick random Bible verses and trying to get God's will on something. And so we're, we're so desperate to hear from God that we go, Lord, what should I do? And we relate to the Bible in a kind of Ouija board uh, approach where we just close our eyes, we open the Bible and just point and then go, what is your will? Uh, is it this, Lord? And, and as, the, as the famous preacher stories go, there was a guy who, who opened the Bible and, and he was discerning God's will and he just 
just went to the Bible and closed his eyes and he got to the passage of scripture where it said Judas hanged himself and he thought this this can't be God's will let me check another passage and he flipped it again and closed his eyes and did it again and the next verse said go and do likewise and the guy said this is not a good approach to discerning God's will for some of us, we, we do a fleece. A fleece is basically in the Bible where we say, if it rains tomorrow, that means I should not make the decision. But if it's sunny tomorrow, uh, maybe I should make that decision. The problem is, you got the weather app, okay? And so you already know what's going on. Uh, if this happens, then no. If that happens, then no. There has to be a better way to discern God's will. And so as we think about discernment, I need to lay down a few theological truths for us to help us understand why this is so important. And then we're going to look at Psalm chapter 40. I want to focus on four important theological truths as we think about discerning God's will and the decisions that we have to make in our lives. The first truth I want you to know is that God is actively engaged in our world. This is what Christianity teaches, that God is not out there somewhere so transcendent so as not to be bothered by our problems and by our decisions. We proclaim a transcendent God who is also imminent, a God who's other and a God who's close, a God who's majestic and a God who comes close to us in the person of Jesus and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is actively engaged in your life. And God wants to be included in the decisions that you make in your life. Secondly, it's important to know that Jesus actually teaches us to pray, your will be done. In the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This presupposes that we are to be people who seek to discover and do God's will. Thirdly, it's important to know that you were made for a communion of wills with God. You were made for a communion of wills with God. That your will and God's will are to learn to align. You were made to be in communion with the living God. And you know what it's like to have within a relationship, a normal relationship, a, a different wills that go in opposite directions. And the challenge of that relationship. We are called to have a communion with the living God, a communion of wills. And what we do in discernment is we end up growing in our life with God through this process of discernment because it teaches us dependence upon God. Have you ever just said, Lord, why don't you just tell me what I need to do? Can you make it plain for me? And I think God doesn't just do this because God is longing for a relationship, not transaction. God is not just looking to give you an answer and then go, okay, God, thank you. I don't need you anymore until I need you again. God is longing for us to be in relationship, to be, uh, have a communion of wills with this God. And what I discovered in my own course of discernment is that as I prayerfully discern a particular issue, what begins to happen is my motives come to the surface. Why do I really want this? Why do I really want that promotion? Why do I really want this new possession? And as I'm discerning whether to go this way or that way, what ultimately happens if we allow ourselves to be sifted by the Holy Spirit is our true motivations come to the surface where we actually come to a point where we go, you know what, it's pretty clear to me I shouldn't have this. Or it's pretty clear to me God wants me to pursue this. 
And so with all of this here, we need a theological foundation for us to discern God's will. But Psalm 40 gives us kind of this deep spiritual foundation that we need to discern God's will. Psalm 40 begins with David uh, talking some wonderful things about God. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me uh, and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. Over and over in this psalm, David is talking about some remarkable things about God. That God is the one who listens to our deepest cries. That God is the one who lifts us up. That God is the one who fills us with joy. He says he put a new song in my mouth. That God is the one who does incredible wonders that are so massive that I cannot count them all. And in light of all of God's goodness, in light of all of God's mercy, in light of all of God's love, David says, God, you just don't want me to respond in religious obligation. You just don't want me to respond to you with just surface spirituality. You just don't want me to go through the motions. He says, burnt offerings and sacrifices, you don't really desire that. You desire something deeper than that. You desire my heart. You desire an alignment of my will with your will. And so in verse 8, he says, I desire. One translation says, I delight to do your will. Notice what he doesn't say in verse 8. He doesn't say, I desire to think about your will. He doesn't say, I delight to consider your will. He doesn't say, I desire to know your will. Because how many of you know you can know it and not do it? Come on, somebody. You You can consider it and not act on it. He says, I desire to do your will. This is what Jesus prays as well. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not your will be contemplated. Not your will be thought about. Not your will be reflected on. Your will be done. And yet in my own life, and I wonder if you can testify as well, I have a hard time desiring God's will. I have a hard time delighting in God's will. When I became a Christian, I, I was taught by my grandfather for a number of months, and I've shared my stories about my grandfather, and I have many of them. And in my time with him, I would typically talk about the Bible and prayer and all those other things, and rarely would I bring up to him like personal things like relationships or dating. But one day I thought, oh, I need to ask him about this relationship that came to an end that I really uh, want to be restored. And so I said, Grandpa, you know, uh, this relationship came to an end, and I, I really wanted to come back. And I'm anxious. How should I pray about this? And in his broken English, he, he, he paused and he said, pray, Lord, let your will be done. And I was so depressed <laughs> when he said that. I said, nothing else, Grandpa? He said, let your will be done. Now, the reason why I was depressed was twofold. Number one. I was depressed because I had heard, even as a young Christian, that to end prayers with your will be done canceled out any faith that I had before that. 
I would, Lord, we pray for a healing. We pray for deliverance. We trust that you can raise the dead. Let your will be done. And people say, you can't pray, let your will be done, because you just now erased all the other stuff that you said before, which is ridiculous, by the way. It's ridiculous. So I, I would believe that to pray, let your will be done, meant that I really didn't have faith. But the second reason why I was depressed praying, let your will be done, was because I did not trust in God's love. I did not trust God. And so my grandfather would say, do you believe that God holds the world together? And I would say, praise the Lord, he does. He said, do you believe that God, you can trust God with your relationships? No, Grandpa, I can't do that. You kidding me? That's, that's not a wise thing to do. Why? Very simply... Because I did not trust in the will of God. I didn't trust God. And at the core of what happened was this. What I needed was my images of God to be healed. All of us in this room have images of God in our minds that need to be healed. Images of God in our mind that must be rejected. Images of God in our mind, that God, that are inconsistent with who God is. And on, 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 in order for us to delight in God's will, we must have an appropriate perspective of who God is. There's a guy named James Bryan Smith. He wrote a wonderful book in which he talks about the false narratives or the unhealthy images that we have about God. And he says some of these narratives sound like this. What goes on deep down in our soul, deep down in our mind, are these scripts here. God wants me to try harder. God blesses me when I'm good and punishes me when I'm bad. God is angry with me. God is disappointed with me. God wants me to suffer for my sins. God doesn't want me, God, God doesn't want to see me happy. If I, I've had so many conversations with new lifers over the years that when you start digging deeper, this is what actually comes to the surface. A particular script about who God is and what God believes about my life. And you know what? This stuff is deep inside me as well. This last line in particular, God doesn't want to see me happy. This past year, uh, God really poured out blessing on our family in a really wonderful way. It was a good year for us. And I remember going on Facebook towards the last week of 2022, and I posted just some highlights of, of 2022. And, just, and, and this is what God did, and, and this is where we went, and it was just a wonderful year, especially in light of two very difficult years of 2020, 2021. 2022 was like a really wonderful year, and then I put it out there, and then folks were saying, wow, what a great year. Wow, what a great year. And then I thought to myself, oh, no. I have put it out there that I had a great year. This must mean that God's going to get me now. This must mean that something bad's going to come my way. This must mean, why? Be because, yes, was God responsible for all those blessings? Yeah, but, 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 but now God is moody, and God doesn't want me to be happy all the time, and God doesn't want me to feel joy all the time, so some bad stuff is going to come my way. And so when I don't get the parking spot, I'm thinking, oh, God is after me. Test positive for COVID. Oh, I done something wrong. You know, something happens at your job. I knew it. I knew it. I, it was too good to be true. 
God's blessings only extend for 12 months, and that's about it. It's so deep in us. And what happens is we need Jesus to heal the images of God that we have, the false images of God. And so when, when, when our narrative says, God wants me to try harder, the gospel says, God wants you to rest in his love. When your narrative says and your brain says, God blesses me when I'm good and punishes me when I'm bad, the gospel says, God makes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. When your mind says, God is angry with me, the gospel says, God is in love with you. When your mind says God is disappointed in me, the gospel says God joyfully claims you. When your mind says God wants me to suffer for my sins, the gospel says God has taken on your sins in the person of Jesus Christ. When your mind says God doesn't want to see me happy, the gospel says God has endless joy before you. This is what Jesus does. Jesus is to show us what God and who God is like. You want to know who God is like? Do you want to know who God is? Look no further than Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the full and final revelation of who God is. Which is why we would do well to meditate on Jesus in prayer and in scripture. Why? Because he shows us what God is like. And what the psalmist shows us here is that God's power can save us. That we can trust in God's provision to take care of us. That we can trust in God's mercy to forgive us. That we can trust in God's love to guide us. And so at the core of, of healing our images is looking at Jesus And my fundamental job as a pastor is to show you who God is like and to show you who God is. And who is God like? God is like Jesus because Jesus is God. It's my job as a pastor and it's my job as a parent as well. A few years ago, I came across a prayer that I would pray at nighttime with my children. And it was this back and forth kind of prayer in which I would say something and my child would respond. It was called the nighttime blessing of gospel love. And, and I would say these words, do you see my eyes? And my child would say yes. And can you see that I see your eyes? And my child would say yes. And do you know that I love you? And uh, yes. Do you know that I love you no matter what good things you do? And my child would say yes. Do you know I love you no matter what bad things you do? And my child would say yes. Who else loves you like that? God does. Even more than me? Yes. Now rest in that love. I said this to my son. My son Nathan, he was about four years old. I said, who else loves you like that? It was Christmas time. He says, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. <laughs> so you got some bad theology, son. Let's pray. Close the night. We'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, Do you believe that? That God loves you with an everlasting love. It's very easy to have images of God in us that are so disruptive and destructive. But God loves you with an everlasting love. And because God loves you with an everlasting love, we can trust in his will. If this is not what I think of when I think about God, why should I desire to do God's will? 
Why should I delight in God's will? But Jesus teaches us and shows us that we can desire God's will and delight in God's will because God is good. Now, this doesn't mean that to do God's will, everything is going to be easy. And there's not going to be any pain or obstacles that come our way. Psalm 40, verse 8 is really about Jesus. It's a prophetic passage about Jesus. He comes to do the will of the Father. And in so doing the will of the Father, it actually leads him to take on our sins on the cross. Not easy stuff. And yet he desires, why? Because Jesus knew the full picture. That the end of his life was not found in death, but in resurrection. That the end of his life was not found in despair, but in hope. That the end of his life was not marked by sin, but marked by God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's glory. And so when we say, Lord, I delight in your will, we're not saying that everything is going to be wonderful, but what we are entrusting ourselves is to God's goodness. That even in the difficulty of doing God's will, the bigger picture is healing and grace and mercy and resurrection and glory. That is what my future holds. And that is what your future holds. And so as the people of God, as we begin this year, may our hands be open before God. And may we say, Lord, I desire to do your will with my children. And I desire to do your will in my marriage. And I desire to do your will with my finances. And I desire to do your will with my career. And I desire to do your will with my decisions and with my extended family and with the conflicts that emerge in my life. Lord, I desire to do your will. Which is why when I pray, I tend to pray with my hands on my lap, just open in this way as a, as a posture of saying, Lord, I want to do your will. When everything inside of me wants to clench my fist in this way and say, I want my will to be done. I want my kingdom to come. But little by little, the Holy Spirit wants to pry our hands open to trust in the goodness and the love of the Father. If this is not our foundation, no formulas, no steps, no principles even matter. Because I can give you seven tips about how to discern God's will, but if we're still going to do our own will, it makes no difference. But if our hearts say, Lord, I want to desire your will, and I delight to do your will, now we are talking. Let me ask you a question today. Where in your life have you said, in your words or in your actions, I don't desire God's will? Where have you closed yourself off to God's presence in your life, to a decision that you need to make? Maybe you came into church today and you said, I'm going to do this whether God likes it or not. And maybe today the Holy Spirit is saying, turn to me. Turn in my direction. You can trust in me. You can trust in my love. You can trust and desire and delight in my will. Because my will for you is good. My will for you is marked by grace. Compassion and mercy is marked by life. And so may the desire of our hearts this day be, Lord, I delight to do your will. Let's pray together.
Lord Jesus, it's very easy for us to fall into the habit of making decisions without including you whatsoever. Or if we include you, we just want you to baptize what we've already decided and bless what we've already decided. And so, Lord, this day, as we begin this, this year, would you give us a heart that remains open to your will, desiring your will. May we be people who open our hands and say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And so as we come to this table of communion today, we do so in the name of Jesus. And we come like Jesus saying, not my will, but your will be done. Thank you for your presence and for the ways that you long to lovingly guide us in our world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me invite you to stand as we prepare to receive communion. If you don't have any of the elements, one of our ushers will come. Feel free to raise your hand and they'll be coming down the aisles, down below and up here, and we'll hand you one. But the Lord's table is a wonderful way to close this message because we find ourselves in the story of Jesus. Where although it was incredibly difficult, he does the will of the Father. And every time we receive communion, we're not just remembering Christ's death we are being invited into a life of openness before God saying Lord would you do in me what you long to I want to give you a moment for your own confession and repentance maybe close your eyes for about 30 seconds or so where in your life have you said I'm closing myself off to God and maybe you've never even worded it that way but you know it's deep down in you and how is the Holy Spirit trying to awaken you to desiring His will today? Take about 30 seconds of your own confession in your heart, and then we'll pray a prayer of confession on the screen. pray this prayer of confession on the screen together almighty God our heavenly father we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own faults in thoughts in word and deed in what we have done and what we have left undone for the sake of your son our Lord Jesus Christ forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life the glory of your name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me as the people of God saved by the broken body of Jesus Christ. Let's receive together. same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me but whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns As the people of God freely forgiven by the poured out blood of Jesus Christ let's receive together Lord, thank you for the gift of the bread and the cup. And we are reminded that you desire to do the Father's will, and you doing the Father's will led to our salvation. Now may we participate with you in the healing of the world by doing your will as well. And so we sing to you now words of praise and worship. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. You, you made a way 
standing here today because God made a way God's mercy made a way God's love made a way God's goodness made a way that's why we're standing here I want to have our prayer team come to my right and maybe you came into church today confused about your life anxious about decisions you need to make feeling just uh, aimless in terms of what God is calling you to do with your life. 
And throughout this series, I trust that the Holy Spirit will give you some much-needed insight into discerning God's will and having a communion with wills with God. But maybe today you just need someone to pray for you. Maybe you're feeling hopeless. Maybe you're sensing your own stubbornness and you just need the Holy Spirit to break something inside of you. And something in your soul is saying, I, I want to receive that prayer. And I want God to do something in me. Whatever need you have, whatever desire is in your heart, we want to pray for you. And ultimately, God's desire is that all of us would be so open to the wisdom of God. So open to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So open to the ways that God longs to direct our paths. And we need a heart to do that. And so if whatever need you have here, feel free to come forward to receive prayer. I also want to invite for those in this room, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've lived your entire life saying, my kingdom come, my will be done. I'm doing things my way. And you've realized that your way is leading into a dead end. It's not producing the kind of life that you're truly longing for. And that there's something deep inside of you that's missing. Can I give you an invitation as we begin 2023 to say yes to Jesus Christ? To submit your life to him. To entrust your life to him. And... To do that doesn't mean that everything's going to change immediately, but now it means that you have the source of life inside of you, guiding and directing you in the power of the Holy Spirit. God loves you with an everlasting love, and Jesus longs to be in a relationship with you. And if you've never taken an opportunity to say, I want to trust Jesus with my life, and you're sensing something inside of you bubbling up, that's probably the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention. And whether you come forward for prayer to have a conversation with one of our prayer team members or whether you text the phrase, yes to Jesus, to that number on the screen, 718-424-0122. If you do that, one of our pastors would love to follow up with you and have a conversation about what it means to follow Jesus. If you're watching online, we'll have a sermon discussion time, so feel free to click on that link and spend about 30 minutes with one of our pastors and other members of our community to just have a good conversation about what we've talked about today. And if you are uh, within that young adult range, uh, 25 to 35, who, who, I, I think I'm a young adult too, but uh, if you're in that space there, uh, feel free to go to the shell room. There's going to be a wonderful time of connection today. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And we end every gathering like this because not only is it a sign of receiving, it's a sign of openness. It's a posture of openness. It's a posture of you saying with your body, even though your mind might not be catching up, your body is saying, I desire to do your will. Your body is saying, I delight in your will. And, and by God's grace, sometimes it takes our body to move in this direction before our souls can catch up. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this gathering out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit with a deep desire to do God's will. 
May the Holy Spirit fill you. May the arms of the Father embrace you. May the, may the compassion of Jesus Christ go with you. I bless you all and strong in the beautiful and the loving name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Grace and peace to you all.